At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. This is another episode of the Finsider Radio, a.k.a. the Jake and Josh Show. I am your host, Jake Mendel. Next to me, in a kind of visual sense, is Josh Houts. And joining us, but sitting off into a distant corner all by him, lonesome, Matthew Kanata. Gentlemen, the draft is a week away. How are we doing? Doing good. Yeah, I don't know how we follow that up. You sounded excited. I thought you were getting ready to say, gentlemen, start your engine, and we were going to start doing right. the tone of fire. You, you guys better start your engine, start giving us all the information, who's getting drafted where, because this is getting real, boys. We are like here. Michael Buffer all over again. <laughs> you know, yeah, I was not prepared to match your int- <laughs> intensity. I'm no. Oh, damn. You know, when you get into work, where if you get out to the bar, you know, there are occasionally a couple of people who are in earlier, a couple of people who have a couple of drinks earlier, and they start getting the groove going. And, you know, what I heard before the show started was a couple of gentlemen who were ready to talk football, who have been craving <laughs> this type of conversation, who are excited to be here having these type of discussions because... Obviously, with everything that's going on right now, we haven't had these opportunities. So when I heard everybody, you know, everybody talking about YouTube before the show, you know, I'm thinking Herbert. I'm thinking, you know, Tua. I'm thinking, what about Jordan Love? It's these type of conversations. You know, you could have just somebody got annoyed by you saying one of those three answers, you know, just Mm -hmm. out there listening to this. And that's what is exciting. That's what we're missing is getting excited about these little things like, oh, my God, are the Dolphins going to take Jordan Love at number five? So 
we're going to talk about all that stuff today because this is the type of show that I feel is going to be one of those conversations that really start at a core of the Dolphins and that fifth overall pick and kind of grow into so much more. And that is really the type of tone I heard. That is the type of excitement I heard. And hopefully, hopefully you guys, you two, not me, you two are experienced enough to be able to accomplish that. You know, we have heard a ton of, a ton of smoke around the Dolphins, and I'm ready to dive into this tonight. I'm ready to talk what I know, what I think is happening, what I don't know. And in the end of the day, after this podcast is done and over with, we might be in the same exact situation we are now, but we're going to try to figure this out together, boys. Yeah, I'm excited. And I think before we even get started, you got to kind of give us a little bit of an announcement, Kanata, that you have that, you know, after the draft, I think you're going on to greener pastures, and I think you got to let our listeners know what to expect and you know, where you're going and where to find you after Finsider Radio. Yeah. Okay. So we'll do that right off the bat. So uh, this is April 13th, right? And the NFL draft is 10 days away. So at the end of the month, I will be moving on from Finsider Radio. Not an easy decision. I think how we started this several years back, three, four, five years ago. And we've been going strong ever since. We all know that uh, Sutton dropped off the show several weeks back and you know with pro football network profootballnetwork.com at pfn 365 on twitter it's just growing so big right now it is essentially another full-time job i mean we just hit a million page views in the past 10 days uh this month and we're gonna hit over two million page views this month it's absolutely insane the amount of growth that we have seen and it's just and while this podcast is only an hour long or whatever once a week it, it's you know, it's, it's not just the hour, right? It's the research that goes into it beforehand. It's gathering information, all that stuff. So it's actually several hours per week that I just need to take that those several hours and commit to PFN. So when you take that over the course of a month, right, that's like 12 hours a month, the course over a year, it's 144 hours over the course of the year, sometimes more. We do multiple podcasts in the week. So I need to go back and direct all my attention to PFN. Obviously, um, you know, I started that back a year and a half ago or whatever and you know it's just growing way way too fast so you guys have heard jake fantastic job (laughs) and (laughs) jake has been doing a fantastic job houts is the absolute man he is the ah shoot i just spilled my coffee over my desk and houts is the absolute you know who drank before this podcast (laughs) houts is the uh voice of the dolphins and you know each and every day when he comes on twitter and on this podcast he just absolutely crushes it, and if you're not following him, you probably will be following him after this podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I'm rambling right now. But but uh, you just spilled coffee on it. your you just spilled coffee on your lap. Of course, I don't, you're I, I, don't even, I don't even know what to do anymore. Um, the short, I got you, man. I got you. <laughs> no, no, no. Let, let me finish. The short of it is that I, I've had a blast on Finsider Radio. I have uh, gained so many followers. I have to thank Kevin Nogle of the Finsider um, who. Gave me this opportunity several years back. Paired me with Sutton. When we had another guy doing he dropped out shortly after we started. And he basically said, uh, you know, we're bringing Houts on. And at the time, I was like, eh, I don't really know this Houts guy. Uh, can I pick my own, you know, third person on the show? And Kevin's like, no, I really want to give Houts a chance. And Houts, ever since then, you know, we, we talk a ton. And it's like we're family. And, and we just talk a ton and, and share it a lot with our lives and everything else. And so it's bittersweet to leave, but this will be uh, one of my last episodes. I will be there next week. And, and I think, guys, I want to do one more episode after the draft, too, just as a final recap 
um, based on what I may have been hearing during the draft process, how it all played out, and anything that I could provide insight to the fans and the listeners. So that's it. Um, I have three more episodes left on Finside Radio, and then Houtsent and Jake will carry the load. So I, I thank all of you for listening over the years for helping grow the Finside Radio brand. And But Josh and Jake are going to take it to a new level, and they're going to absolutely crush it. I don't know. Do we, Josh? Can we just let him take another episode after the draft? Can we? Can we let him say he's going to be back, or or can we just say, Nah, get get out of here. We're done. I don't know. Someone's cutting onions in my house because my eyes are just watering and watering away after a, after that all that awesome farewell. Um, I mean, it's been a pleasure, and I think if Kanata wants to come on at any point to talk about the Dolphins, uh, he can gladly be one of our guests. But he's doing big things at. P- PFN, they just reeled in one of the big names out there, Kent Platt, to bring on his uh, Raz. His, you, you can explain it a bit more there, Kanata, but I mean, this guy is one of the industry leaders. He does uh, some great stuff there. He was working at Pride of Detroit, I believe, and he's now part mm-hmm. of the PFN network. So you guys just continue to grow, continue to acquire these big, these big names, and I think Pro Football Network is going to be you know, the new norm sooner rather than later. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. We're always looking for big names to add to our uh, family, and Kent was one of them we've had our eyes on for a while. And he just brings a unique analytics system um, to any website he's part of, and we're very lucky to have his services, and we're going to be really trying to corner the analytics market. And while, you know, PFF does a great job, uh, they need some competition, and, and Pro Football Network is going to be that website to provide some competition, along with plenty of other analytics sites out there. And it's not, you know, an unhealthy competition. It's not a... Uh, hateful competition it's great for the fans the more sites that are out there whether for draft whether for analytics whether for football analysis whatever it is podcast the more that are out there the better it is for fans because all the sites all the podcasters are going to up their game and, and do what they can to outwork each other and that fans are going to get a superior product as a result of it so all good stuff uh we're like you said we're, we're absolutely crushing it right now i don't want to go on a pfn commercial here but it, it's good stuff and, you know, the the saying you said, you know, the podcasts um, push each other, and it's iron sharpen iron. So what the Finsider did is take a man in his 30s who can't grow his, grow a beard and replace him by a man in his 20s who can't grow a beard. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I cannot. Uh, are you talking about me, Josh? I mean, not Josh, Jake. Are you talking about me who can't grow a beard? I can't grow one either, so that, that, that's the joke. I, I, here, I, so. I tried to grow a beard during this quarantine period. I was it's actually so, gro- It's the same thing. It was horrible. It was uh, horrible. Yeah, I was growing one I, last week, and I didn't shave for about a week and a half. I edged it up and everything, but it was just growing in so bad. Um, <laughs> it wasn't – it was growing in, but it was just kind of like straggly hairs and blonde hairs, and it just looked like – I don't know how to explain it, but it was looked nothing like a competent beard. So my wife was like, you need to cut that mm, off your face. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. So I shaved it all off, and now I'm just going back to this stubble look. And, you know, this has been fun. You know, I think we can all, like, especially in a situation like this, we've all had the opportunity. We're dealing with our own things. We're all trying to come together in different ways. But... I think it's time. And Josh, I'm sorry if there's anything you want to add to that. I think it is time to talk about that fifth overall pick. And, oh, boy. You know, and when we do, and this is kind of the issue I'm having, um, the 18th pick and the 26th pick, they aren't as important. Obviously, you know, if you hit on, you know, 18 and 26 and you miss on number five, that the, the, the draft might be a disaster. 
You know, I'm just going to go out and say that because if you, you know, you get a horrible quarterback at five, that just sets you so far back. But let's talk about it. Are we ready to talk draft? Are we ready to talk about Miami Dolphins football? Let's talk about it. Let's talk I'm about fully, it. I'm fully committed. Josh, I want to start with you because, you know, Matt and I just had a little little powwow bonding such there. So, so I think your voice really needs to be heard here. You know, the Dolphins, I think the big thing that came out today, I mean, by out, I mean, you know, out into the open that everybody kind of can read about, talk about, is really, I think that the Dolphins are really against trading everything for Joe Burrow. But with that in mind, it seems like the Dolphins are interested in moving up for a quarterback, which has us thinking that, hey, maybe number five isn't the right spot to draft a quarterback. Yeah, and I think it's kind of something that a lot of us have thought about, you know, when it came out that Joe Burrow was the Dolphins' QB1. I mean, all 32 NFL teams probably have him as their quarterback one because of Tua's injury, but I don't know how obtainable it is. I know that the Dolphins leaked a report today, you know, that they weren't interested in trading the farm up for Joe Burrow. And then I believe Zach Taylor also went on the radio and said, you know what, when these teams call and try to get that number one pick, it kind of reassures us that we're going after the right guy. So, you wonder how much of this is, you know, a game of cat and mouse because, again, I, I keep going back to the Senior Bowl and the Bengals coach, Justin Herbert. You know, he kind of fits that same mold, and I hate to bring up the comparison to Ryan Tannehill, but Zach Taylor was with Ryan Tannehill in college all throughout the pros before he went on to, you know, the the Rams and got the head coaching gig. So is that the kind of quarterback that, he's, that he wants to run that offense? It's hard to say. I, I think I kind of take a step back and I say, you know, what What if the Dolphins had that number one overall pick? Would you be listening for three first-round picks and a little bit more? Absolutely. It'd be hard not to, but it all comes back to how these guys view their board. Do I think the Dolphins want to give up three first-round picks? Absolutely not. Do I think the Bengals are going to take three first-round picks? Absolutely not. I think it's going to cost more than that. But if the Dolphins if the Dolphins truly believe that Joe Burrow is that quarterback, you know, that they've suffered from for the last 20 minutes, they got to go after that, and they, and they got to do what they can to make it happen. Do I think they called him? Do I think they're still talking to him? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, it comes down to how the Bengals view the rest of this class and how the Dolphins, you know, how much are they willing to give up? Because to sit here and say Joe Burrow is unattainable, I don't believe that. I think if they really wanted him, you know, mm-hmm. you could give up those three this year, two next year. But that's crazy. Five first-round picks, you know, that's, that's absurd. But you got to look at these other guys, you know, to his injury concerns. The Dolphins can't meet with him. Justin Herbert, there's some uncertainty there. Jordan Love, we're going to go through this entire class. But I I don't know that I'm putting too much stock into those leaks because I think it's a game of cat and mouse, and they're just trying to get that out there that, you know what, if you're not going to take our offer, we have other options. So I don't know if you guys have anything you want to touch on that, but that's the way I see it. I think Joe Burrow is absolutely quarterback one for the Miami Dolphins. He's absolutely quarterback one for the other 31 NFL teams because he just had the best season in college football history. But do I think that pick's unobtainable? Absolutely not. It just depends on whether or not the Dolphins are willing to get up the farm to go up there and get their guy. Matt, if the NFL draft was an outlet, you are most certainly the most plugged in out of all of us. So I need to ask you this. Um, when there are conversations happening for that first overall pick, if you're talking to Cincinnati about making a trade, Josh, when you said five first-round picks, I was mortified. Mm. I, I that scared the living. I'm, I'm mortified. I'm mortified by three. <laughs> like, th- doesn't three scare you? That's still pretty steep. Like, I agree. I yeah. 100% agree. So, so Matt, I think the question I have in all of this is, if you're having conversations for the first overall, which the Dolphins, I think, have had. I, I 
don't know about if we can agree about the the levels or the distance of how far the Dolphins had gone in terms of talking about these. But yeah. is it safe to assume that that first overall pick is for Joe Burrow? Or can we kind of say that there's a little bit of a chance, and I'm saying even like a 10% chance, that, hey, maybe if you're talking about the first overall pick, maybe us out in the, the quote-unquote real world, outside of the 32 GMs, we are so far off because you think about with everything that's happening, these guys are all locked outside in their houses. There's nobody passing by each other in the hallways listening. There's no, you know... This is kind of a joke, but, you know, I'm sure this is there's some seriousness to it. You know, there's no janitor hearing about conversations happening. Are we sure that a first overall pick conversation is for Joe Burrow and there's no chance that any other player could be on the board if you're trying to move up to that position? Yeah, let me uh, first say this. You're absolutely right with we people not around. Everyone's at home. So inside information at this time is really, really hard to come by. And, you know, usually this is prime season for leaks and trying to figure out the game of who's lying who's not lying, what we're hearing and all that. But since everyone's at home and since everyone's isolated, you're not getting people coming in and out of those meetings. You're not people, you're not seeing support staff, seeing the big boards by accident or whatever. Um, it, it's very, very hard to come by. I know a PFN, Tony Pauling's working overtime to get information. We've actually put a pause on his mailbag for a little bit, and he's just dropping some latest rumors pieces on the information he does have. Uh, we have Ben Albright over there, who's our insider, and he's having a really tough time gathering information. Um, so it's, it's very hard right now. About Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, that number one pick is for Joe Burrow, absolutely, because you can get Justin Herbert with the Lions pick, uh, no doubt about it. The Redskins are taking Chase Young. They're locked in on Chase Young, and the Bengals, uh, unless they uh, are completely enamored with Justin Herbert and have him neck-to-neck with Joe Burrow, which Houts kind of alluded to, yes, they do like Justin Herbert a lot, and we've reported that on PFN. That said, you look at what it would cost to move up to number one, right? So you look at the Rich Hill model, which a lot of teams use nowadays, and that's basically kind of takes Jimmy Johnson's trade value and, and kind of modifies it a bit and, and puts some modernized twist on it. So that Bengals pick is worth a thousand points. When you look at Miami's first three picks, right? 468, number five, 287, number 18, 223, number 26. That's only 978. That's not even enough to get to a thousand. You add in their 39th pick. Now you're looking at 1,131. But everyone in the world knows they're coming up for Joe Burrow. So you're going to put about a 10% premium on that pick to get to that spot. So, yes, it's going to take all three first-round picks to get up there. Or a player, right? So maybe the Dolphins throw in a Devontae Parker and Xavier Howard and can save some of those picks. Um, I would imagine it would take three first-rounds this year, a one next year, and probably you know, maybe a two or a three this year, maybe a swap in later rounds or whatever. Um, it's going to cost a lot. And you saw that leak today from, I forget who it was. I think it was a Monday night, Monday morning quarterback from Peter King um, that Brian uh, Flores and Chris Greer are not interested in trading up for that number one pick. I will say that we heard last week and we didn't report it because we've been hearing a lot of different stuff and we're not touching this Dolphins situation with a 10 foot pull over at PFN just because there's so much flying around. But I do feel comfortable talking about this on the podcast because I think everyone, under, everyone understands there's just so much going on. And I'm going to put what I, out there what I know, and we can just kind of figure it all out if there's anything to figure out. But we were told that the Dolphins were actively trying to move up to number one. And we were, whole, were told this by three different sources. We nearly put a story out on it. We decided to pull the plug at the last minute um, just because there was just so much around it that we weren't quite sure of. But to have it being told to us 
by three different independent sources of each other, there is definitely something to that, right? So I'm sure they called. I'm sure they checked into it. I'm sure the Bengals told them how much it would cost. And then you get that leak today from both sides, like how it's alluded to, right? The Dolphins saying that they're not interested in moving up to the one. That sends a signal to the Bengals that if they want to do business, they need to uh, lower their demands. And then um, Zach Taylor in the media saying, well, if everyone wants to come to one, we're pursuing the right guy, which tells the Dolphins, no, we're going to stay put right where we are. Why would we want to trade out of that spot? At the end of the day, I don't think they make the move up to one. I think it's just too much. And then it comes down to what's the real story between behind Justin Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa. And the most interesting thing to me is the whole Barry Jackson. He threw out that scenario where what if Joe Burrow truly wants to be a Dolphin? You know, what if the Dolphins and Joe Burrow is the perfect marriage? Why doesn't he come out and tell the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, I, I don't want to play there. Like, I understand the kind of stigma it kind of would personify him as the player and, you know, the hometown kid. You know, it's the perfect fit in Cincinnati. But you saw him. I mean, we talk about it as it's this little thing. But, again, you go through his likes on Twitter. He's not liking Cincinnati Bengals stuff. You know, he liked that tweet from the Bleacher Report, as, as mo- creative as it was, you know, that dumb and dumber GIF that they posted about how the Dolphins are spending money and doing all the right Don't things. Don't you say GIF. Don't say GIF. I already said GIF. <laughs> <laughs> I already oh, said I'm GIF. sorry. I had to. I had I'm, to. I'm 33, so it's, it's a GIF. So he, he liked that, and, you know, it, there has to be something there. We saw him in a radio interview with, I believe it was Rich Eisen, where he came out and said, you know, I like what the Dolphins are doing, and I think that might have even been before free agency. So yeah. do I think Joe Burrow wants to go to Cincinnati Bengals? Absolutely not. Do I think most players want to go to Cincinnati? Absolutely not, because – you know, you see what Brian Flores is building, and you continue to hear that from those free agents. You know, I came to Miami. Sure, they had the money, but they came there because of, you know, kind of the the talk coming around and just what the Dolphins are building here. And to think if Joe Burrow truly wants to be part of the Miami Dolphins, that's all he has to do. Uh, why not do that? But I think you're 100% right. I think at the end of the day, the Dolphins would love to go up there and get Joe Burrow, but at, it's going to cost a lot. And I mean, they're, they should already be printing Joe Burrow jerseys in Cincinnati because this is their quarterback. You know, he's the hometown kid. He's He just came off, I, I continue to say, the best season in college football history. You know, they have to go up there and get him because he's the guy. He's that surefire pick because you can't go and you can't check on to his medicals. You know, you're doing it across Skype and Zoom. You can't check on that. So that has to play a factor. Justin Herbert was probably great. He did good at the Senior Bowl. You know, he was, he won MVP, but it's still Justin Herbert. He's not in the same class, in my opinion, as Tua or Burrow. So, so lots of uncertainty. But again, if the Dolphins think that he's their guy, they got to continue to call call him up because if that's what it's going to take to get this team on top of the AFC East, go and do it. Now, I Matt, with, with yeah, that, I think it's important to ask ourselves here is what kind of situation are we getting ourselves into? You know, when you're the the Miami Dolphins and you kind of put everything together about how much a Joe Burrow can cost and you look at the value of what that situation can bring you, do you even think about it when you see here three and, you know, Josh brought up five and, you know, we can sit here and talk about five first round picks for Joe Burrow and it not be a crazy conversation. And, you know, I know people out there are sitting there banging their heads against whatever is closest to them, you know, thinking about that. But is there any opportunity where the Dolphins sit at five and are very content and whoever is there is the right pick? And, you know, you think about the value at 18 and 26 and whatever you're going to get next year and think 
the Dolphins are all right where they are, no matter who can drop to them. I think they're totally content on drop on staying at five. Um, here's why: we have heard over at PFN that Herbert and Tua are neck to neck with each other. Earlier today, we heard something else that gave us pause in regard to we may think the Dolphins have some deep reservations about Tua's injuries, right? But as I said in my previous uh, segment a few minutes ago, we don't know what's true and what's not at this time, especially with Miami. When Brian Flores took over as head coach, they instantly became one of the tightest front offices in the National Football League. It was very hard to get information out of them, and it's still very hard to this day. When you add in the lockdown due to the coronavirus, it's even harder. So mm-hmm. for me, that's very hard to believe, right? That the Dolphins are this bad at hiding their intentions. And it makes me believe that they are purposely putting out smoke on Justin Herbert so they can sit at five to land Tua. And I don't, and you know, you hear all this this team failed a physical. Uh, this team is concerned about Tua's injuries. I wouldn't be surprised if that's Miami doing that. As crazy as that sounds, as dishonest as it sounds it's just the name of the game around this time of the year and you look at the source of who reported it michael lombardi right and you look back and you look at his family history and his son worked for miami last year and now he don't i think he's in carolina now but flores has ties to lombardi due to the patriots and a lot of coach ties to lombardi so you start connecting the dots to each other and you start kind of thinking a little bit and you start saying hmm this all maybe adds up in a certain way that points to the Miami Dolphins being the ones who are leaking this information about Tua. And Stephen Ross back in January at the Super Bowl at an event that I was actually at a conference was interviewed uh, towards the end of the event. And he was asked a question about Tua. And, you know, he said that the injuries are a concern and that they're looking into it. And I think everyone was just so onto the Dolphins during the season for the tank for Tua that they had to think of something to divert the attention away from that, right? And they've done such a good job of it right now that everyone's thinking Herbert, right? So, and then you look back and you look at Ben Albright, who reported on PFN a few months back that the Chargers really love Justin Herbert. And then there's a report somewhere today that I saw, I can't remember where, that confirmed that the Chargers love Herbert. The Dolphins could be driving up that interest in Herbert to get the Chargers to jump above them to take a guy like Herbert, which then drops Tua down to them without having to make any type of move. Because we know the Lions are not going to um, trade or take a quarterback, so that would be a prime spot for the Chargers to move up to get Herbert. The Giants would stay put, and the Dolphins would land Tua Tagovailoa. And I think I think that's the strategy right now. I can't say 100% sure that that is the strategy, because as I tweeted a short while ago, the Dolphins are either going to pull off one of the most elaborate smoke screens in NFL draft history, or they failed miserably at hiding their interest in Justin Herbert. I think it's Tua. I'd be shocked if it wasn't Tua. And I think all this talk about Justin Herbert is just a way to throw everybody off. And I think Tua will be the pick at five. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. 
Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. So let me just throw this out there. And for as obvious as it seems, you know that this Justin Herbert stuff is a smokescreen. What if that's what the Dolphins want us to think? You know, what... Uh, to me, the the way they've handled this whole pre-drafting, you said dating back to you know the Super Bowl when the writing was on the wall. You know, Tua was answering questions about how he was going to, you know, how he liked it down there in Miami, how he was pretty much the perfect yeah. fit, how how the culture was right there with, you know, Hawaii where he grew up. I mean, it seemed like Tua to the Miami was 100% set in stone, and then, and Stephen Ross dropped that nugget. You know how. We don't know about his injuries are concerned. And from there, it kind of spiraled out of control. You know, you see the different videos that he's been posting. He has a documentary, I believe, coming out on one of the, the networks. But you see the influence from the Dolphins. And he says, you know, if you want, I think it was Rich Eisen's voiceover, you want Tua, come and get him. And it's just, it, it seems to me that the Dolphins, obviously, there are four top quarterbacks in this draft. And it went from Joe Burrow being that guy. It went, sorry, it went from Tua being that guy. Then there was rumors that it was Joe Burrow. Then it's been Justin Herbert. It's been Justin Herbert for, you know, almost two years they've been talking about Justin Herbert here in Miami as well as Tua. To me, it just seems like the Dolphins are too – since Flores and and Chris Greer have taken over, and it just seems like a new Dolphins that this type of stuff won't leak. So if it were to leak, if they were to have it come out that Justin Herbert was their guy, Everyone, I mean, we're sitting here, we're doing a podcast. We don't believe it because it just seems too obvious. What if he truly is their target? And this is just some kind of mind F that's just going on in our heads. The one key that we haven't even brought up, and I know we're going to talk about, it, is Jordan Love. You know, they rushed him in there. They tried to, uh, Tua couldn't make it. You know, he was out of state or whatever it was. He couldn't come in before the league shut down NFL facilities. But Jordan Love did. They met with Jordan Love at the Senior Bowl. I believe it was a Miami Herald article that came out and said, Dan Marino loved the way Jordan Love carried himself. To me, there's not a quarterback in this class outside of Tua Tungvaloa that has the upside as much as Jordan Love. You know, if he hits on what he can become, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in this draft, if not the best. You know, if he can hit all his parameters and be developed right. So do I think five is a little bit steep for where I think Jordan Love could land? Absolutely. But what if the Dolphins take someone else at five and then trade back up? I mean, they have the ammunition. So to me, they're playing this absolutely perfectly. I don't know what to believe, and I think that as obvious as a tool was, as obviously as a as a Justin Herbert is, as obvious as a trade up for for Joe Burrow is, no one truly knows. And I know that people close to the, the Dolphins have some sort of idea, but we're ten days away. You can't tell me that the Dolphins are no going into that draft right now. Who's going to be their quarterback? Because they've done all this work. They they scouted Jordan Love before he was even draft eligible. They've been following Justin Herbert for two seasons. Tutano Valoa, his name was mentioned what two three years ago. You know he, he's been the talk of the town, and Joe Burrow just had the best season in college football history. So there's four targets there. I think the Dolphins are going to land one. Which one? 
I'm not going to put my money on it because I have no freaking clue. And I think that's the way Chris Greer and the rest of that front office would like it to be. Now, yeah. Matt, when we think like the the issue I have is, and I'm going to use this as a comparison and I'm going to promise you it's going to make sense kind of. Um, when people talk about, you know, players chose what happened to Miami and Joe Burrow is kind of unique in the sense where he did like tweets. He did kind of send out hints that weren't, you know, you, you didn't have to use a decoder to really figure out what's happening here. You didn't have to buy 15 boxes of Lucky Charms to figure out that Joe Burrow is kind of interested in what the Miami Dolphins are doing. So, but at the same time, you know, when you talk about what's happening in Miami, you know, what they're doing here, it's hard for me to ignore that Adam Gase went to the playoffs in his first year in Miami. It's hard for me to ignore that everybody said that Gase was the next, you know, guy. It's hard for me to ignore that in 2008, when I was first becoming a Miami Dolphins fan, and, you know, a couple of people are look, hearing that and going, ha, 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 you don't even know. But for me, Tony Sperano in that first year, sitting in a little, you know, basement with my dad's friends in Massachusetts, where everybody is Patriots fans, seeing that Wildcat unfold, thinking that this is it, this is it, the Patriots are done. They got their Super Bowls. It's over. But at the same time, like, there has to, there's a concern inside of me where we're thinking about what's happening here and where everyone's saying, you know, Miami's doing something no one's ever done and Miami's in a situation, yada, yada, yada. And we can think about the Browns a couple years ago. I think that was the only other team in the last, I don't know, 25 years to have 14 picks. I think we should have some concern in terms of what the Dolphins are trying to operate and that there's still a huge level of hey everything can go south really fast that hey you know all these you know signings aren't these you know galaxy level signings in terms of the dolphins are doing something no other team that NFL is doing should we be prepared for the situation where the dolphins aren't necessarily making all the right moves and i'm not saying they aren't I'm not saying all the moves they made is bad are bad because, excuse me, I'm kind of sold on all of them. But at the same time, I don't think we can really sit here and say, quote unquote, all the everybody wants to go to Miami because I don't think that is the case. I don't think everybody's really the, the Dolphins are hitting a home run no matter what happens here. I, there are some concerns about what the Dolphin operation is happening here. Can I jump in real quick? Because Barry Jackson just released one of his six pack, you know, his little nuggets that he does. And this is the quote, the Dolphins do such a consensus job in evaluating players that we found out at least one peewee coach that a high-ranking Dolphins official yeah. reached out to in the process of researching a player. Besides the front office, Brian Flores is very much involved in the research process, as is the entire coaching staff and scouting department. You add that to Marvin Allen, Reggie McKenzie, uh, you know, we talked about Dan Marino in previous podcasts. This front office is unique, you know. Reggie McKenzie was executive of the year. Marvin Allen helped build the Kansas City Chiefs in that Super Bowl team. He went to Buffalo and helped build them into a wild card contender, if if not more than that. So I, I've, I've never seen this come out in, in years, you know. I've, I've never heard of a Dolphins, you know, them going out of their way to talk to a peewee coach to find out about a player. And you kind of hope that that's how teams operate. But I would bet my money New England operates this way. You know, Chris Greer and... Marvin Allen and Brian Flores, they all come from New England, and I think that's the biggest difference here is it's not an Adam Gase. It's not a Jeff Ireland. It's not some of these other guys that were part of that Parcells tree that was just like, you know what, I'm going to hire my friend. I'm going to hire Tony Sperano. May he rest in peace. But did anybody think Tony Sperano was the best coaching hire at that time? Absolutely not. You know, Did anybody think Adam Gase was even the best coaching hire at the time? I don't know if people did. Matthew Kanata did. 
Don't you even know. don't even doubt me on this. I have the tweets are out there. Matthew Canada did. I guarantee let, you. The, the let me rewind and go to and go to Joe Philbin because no one thought Joe Philbin was Great. ready for that job. You know they thought he was going to sign Matt Flynn and the Dolphins were going to turn into a Super Bowl contender. So I just think things are different. And we talked about in the last podcast. You know why is this any different than the Adam Gase when he went to the playoffs in year one? It just seems like a different team, and it seems like they have the right coach in place. I'm skeptical on Shan Gailey. You know there's moves that the Dolphins have made that. Have you sit back and say, how is this not the same old Dolphins? But then you read things like this, going back to peewee coaches to find out about some of these players, you know, asking those Auburn players to go up there and, you know, implement a defensive game plan. It's just things that you have not heard from prior coaching staffs. And you just hope that Brian Flores, what he did last year with the most overture in NFL history, I believe it was 80 plus players on the roster. You just hope that it's different. No one can sit here and say it's different. And again, we're the Miami Dolphins. So we've seen it happen time and time again. They could go trade up for Tua. They could trade up for Joe Burrow, but they're the Dolphins. You know, who's to say it's going to work out because it's the Miami Dolphins. For 20 years, they've been cursed. I'm not going to be convinced until I once again see the Dolphins win a playoff game or, you know, even advance further in the playoffs. I will not be convinced this is any different, but Brian Flores just seems like the right coach. And I'm ready to run through a wall right now just thinking about it. Can I say something quickly? No, you can't. Go um, jacked up. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> I did think I did. I did like Sperano a lot, um, but I also had reservations because I knew that Pennington was a flash in the pan, right? At one year, right. And that things were not going to be the same with Chad Henney. Now, Adam Gase, I was fooled on, right? I think a lot of us were fooled on because he made the playoffs his first year doing conventional stuff. But I think we were all blinded by the way the Dolphins were winning at the last few uh, minutes of the game and all that. Anyways. I think I we overlooked that he was an egotistic maniac. I think Absolutely. that was the biggest thing, you know. Yeah, he's right. In New York, we see um, it every year what's unfolding. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we do definitely see a okay. different Adam Gates. And I'm not trying to say that Flores isn't the guy. I'm just saying that we've had this idea of perfection in the past. But go, go on, Matt. Go on. Yeah, no, I wanted to go back to House's comment about when he was uh, quoting Barry Jackson about the peewee coach. And when I read this today, it, it sparked a reminder. At PFN, I interviewed Lee Steinberg a few uh, last week and that's to his agent. And he said to me that some teams are going as far as back as elementary school on these guys to do a background check. Now, I don't know if every team is going back to elementary school, but let's pretend they're not. Was that a slip by Lee? You know, that he knows the dolphins are going back to two as peewee coaches and talking to them about him. Um, or any of his other clients that he's representing, right? It doesn't just have to be Tua. But, you know, I, I thought that was interesting that Lee said that, and it didn't really raise any flags at that time. But now Barry's report coming out today saying the Dolphins have gone, talked to, went and talked to peewee coaches. You start to put two and two together, and you maybe start to kind of circle your wagons a little more around that. So it's so all, put, it's, it's so all so putting, confusing, man. So you're putting Tua and Tua together, and... This is what you come up with. <laughs> yeah, but but it's so there's just so much smoke, so much smoke. It's crazy. It's like that Laramie Tunsil video. That's how much smoke there is. <laughs> it really is, and I wish it was more cut and dry. I wish we had a better. I mean, we have a source. I can't go into details about it, but we have a source, and he's been telling us Tua, 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 Tua. And when the stuff got reported out about Tua visiting with Dol or the Dolphins trying to bring in Tua before everything was shut down, he they were upset because they were thinking that Tua's camp was going to mess this up for them. And even with all this Herbert smoke, we've been still hearing Tua, 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 Tua. 
And then, but then you hear all the other stuff, which makes you think, uh, I don't know, guys. Well, like, I, if I had to put money on it, and I don't bet, I don't gamble because I'm terrible at it. So maybe I shouldn't say this, but if I had to bet on it, I'd bet Tua. I really don't see them taking Herbert. Because while Tannenbaum loves Herbert, and I don't believe their final decision is made as of yet, but I think they're leaning Tua. Tannenbaum said he would take Herbert over Tua still this year, which he's, which is why he's not a GM anymore. But there are still people in the building who love Herbert more than anyone else in the draft. I will say, though, from what I've heard, we've only heard this from one source. So this, please take this with a grain of salt. Don't go reporting this. Don't go quoting me on this. Don't do anything with it except just listen and just absorb it. But we heard from just one source that Greer was actually one of the ones who have who opposed Herbert when Tannenbaum was talking about it. So if that is true, then you can just scratch Herbert off the board completely. We didn't get more than one source on it, so we can't say with confidence that that is true. But just keep that in the back of your mind. It was a good source, though. I will say that it was a good source. So, Matt, you're 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 set. Like, if you had to pick a scenario, what if you're playing the board game life? You know, having a couple of younger kids, you're into the board game stage. You know, I was just playing some Monopoly myself with some friends. Yeah, cool. Um. If you're playing life, I mean, you're just set on not, you know, going to college, investing everything in Joe Burrow. You're set. If if Tua is there at five, that the ship's sailing already. You're walking up to the podium. You're already hearing the booze about Roger Goodell because Tua's your guy at five. You're set up. Yeah, Tua's the I think you make an absolute effort to try to trade up for Joe Burrow. And I think you give what you need to give to get him. I will say that because – there are legitimate concerns about Tua's health, right? And there are legitimate concerns about Justin Herbert. So I, I think one of the cleanest prospects in this draft process is Joe Burrow. So I think you do what you can to get him. And I think people may balk at it now and gasp at it. But I don't think anyone's really complaining about the price that the Chiefs gave up for Mahomes or the Eagles gave up for Wentz, even though he's a little hurt, though. And, you know, the, the price that the Texans gave up for Deshaun Watson, you forget about it after a year. And Joe Burrow has no doubt in my mind is going to come in and light it up on fire. And if he gets great coaching like he would with the Dolphins, people would be rolling, you know, in whatever money they have because the Dolphins have found their franchise quarterback. So you do what it takes to get Joe Burrow. But if not, if you can't get him, if you don't pull off that trade, you absolutely take two at five. You run to the podium with his name, even if Herbert's there, even if Love, which he will be there, you, you do that and, and you go there and you make that pick. 100%. Now, Josh, you know, somebody who's so in touch of what's going on in terms of the the fan reaction, you know, the idea of what's happening once something is leaked, you know, we're hearing more and more every single day about, you know, uh, the Lions are open to trading at number three, yada, yada, yada. The more we hear about this stuff, the closer we get to the draft. To me, that sounds like the Lions aren't, you know, fishing too well here. They're not catching anything too big. What are your feelings in terms of what the Dolphins are going to need to do in terms of trading? Are you feeling more comfortable about the Dolphins sitting there at five and being able to get their guy? Or are these kind of, you know, leaks, quote-unquote, I guess, of the Lions willing to trade, yada, 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 more of a concern that the Dolphins need to make a move? It's hard for me to say, and I think it all goes back to kind of what we talked about throughout this entire podcast, and it is how is how are Tua's medicals, and then how do these other franchises view Justin Herbert? And I think that 
you look around Twitter and you kind of see the way people talk about Justin Herbert. He was once mentioned in the same category as Ryan Tannehill, and Dolphin fans are absolutely turned off by that. I continue to call him a more accurate Josh Allen, whatever it is. You know, there's a huge discrepancy between Joe Burrow, Tuatonga Vailoa, and the rest of this class, in my opinion. So you sit here and you look at that. Are the Dolphins trying to bait or any other team trying to bait the Chargers or another team that needs a quarterback to move up, jump above the Dolphins, take Justin Herbert, and then have Tua fall into their lap? You know, a couple yeah. weeks ago, if you asked me, do the Dolphins need a trade for Tuatonga Vailoa, I would have said absolutely. You saw the video come out. You saw the pro day come out that we posted on profootballnetwork.com. You see just how far along he's come in six months. I think that's the most – I think that's the biggest thing in this. You know, People sit there and they watch that video and they go, oh, he doesn't look like he has the same velocity. You know, he, Some of those passes are inaccurate. The guy just came back from an injury that many people sat here and compared to Bo Jackson, sat here and said, you know what, Tuaton Velo might never play football again. Guess what? He looks great. You know, he's come along. He's going to have infinite time to develop. If you bring him into Miami, he's going to sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. Who knows if he'll even play next year. But by the time Tua Tungvaluwa is ready to play, he's already looking the part. So it's hard for me to sit here and say I continue to think back to previous drafts and how I viewed some of the, the classes, and I, I was always a little bit off on my projections. So I'm sitting here saying the Dolphins need to trade up to get Tua Tungvaluwa. They probably don't. They might be able to sit pat at five and let him fall right into their lap. But I think a lot of this Justin Herbert smoke, again, it's either – Way too obvious, and something terribly went wrong in the Dolphins organization. They really like Justin Herbert, and they're you know completely destroying what we think in our heads. And you're sitting here saying, "Oh, there's no way they want Herbert because it's being leaked." And then they truly do want Herbert, or Tua Tagovailoa is their guy. And I think this is more likely because we heard it leading up to the Senior Bowl. You heard it two years ago, all season long. You heard Tank for Tua, and now it's just slowly starting to fizzle out. You know they don't have interest in him. They're worried about his injury concerns. I'm sure every team is worried about their injury concerns, but not every team has three first-round draft picks that they can use to take that chance on a guy who I believe, if he was healthy, he would be the number one quarterback in this class. So I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm preaching that it's going to be Tua Tagovailoa, but I can't help but look back to the Brady Quinn times when we all <laughs> sat there and we were sitting in front of our TV and we all just – we were, oh, man. I remember watching him on like David Letterman or something. He was throwing footballs through a taxi cab with my dad, <laughs> and I was just so excited because I'm like, this is the quarterback. And we can look back in hindsight. You know, he was terrible, Brady Quinn. But at that moment in time, he was the guy that the Dolphins needed to draft. And they, you keep panning into that shot of him just with his girlfriend saying, wow. Like, really? They yeah. just took Ted Ginn Jr. and his family, and then they settled for John Beck? Like, the Dolphins can't mess this up. They <laughs> messed up the Drew Brees debacle. Tua Tungavailoa was an elite prospect heading into this year. Yes, he suffered an injury, but again, any of those quarterbacks, Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, if they take that same hit, is probably suffering that same injury. If you got to trade up, which I'm not sure if you do, you do it. But Tua Tungavailoa, if he falls to five and they pass on him, I, I don't – I'm a Dolphins fan till the day I die, till the day I'm dirt in the ground wearing my Merino jersey. I, pro, I told my wife to bury me in that Merino authentic 1994 jersey. But if they nice. pass on to a ton of Iloa, I'm going to need a few days to recuperate because that's going to hurt. And I, I never wanted a player as much as I want Tua. And I know the Finsider comments, they're going to love that, eat it up. But he is the guy that is going to get the Dolphins over the hump. They just need to, they just need to man up and make it happen. Chris Greer, Marvin Allen, Reggie McKenzie, Dan Marino, Stephen Ross, most importantly. If this is the guy that you've wanted for all those years that they've said, go and make that pick. Don't hold back like you did Lamar Jackson because we see what Lamar Jackson turned into. Tua Tungvaluwa is the guy. They have to come away with him. They, they have to, in my opinion. Listen, I, Ooh, go ahead. Go real ahead. quick, yeah. I saw a tweet. I forget who it's from. I have a really bad memory. Um, 
with two kids, young kids under five. But uh, I saw a tweet that said this. You take Tua at five, and he gets hurt. He gets injured. Everyone understands that you have to take that risk, and that's not going to cost you your job. But if you pass on Tua for a guy like Justin Herbert or Jordan Love, and Tua goes on to absolutely crush it in his first few years in the NFL, you'll be fired, and you'll probably never get a GM job again. So taking Tua at five is completely worth the risk. And I think you couch that by taking a quarterback in round three, right? A Jalen Hurts, a Jacob Eason if he drops the three. And you give yourself some protection there. Or actually, you know what? You have Josh Rosen on the roster if if you want to continue with him. But you cannot pass up on Tua if he is there at five. Everybody, and I mean everybody, I think, maybe 99.9%, let's just give ourselves some room, would understand completely if the Tua pick for some reason does not work out because of injuries. Because you have to take that risk. You, so, have, so, to, you have to make that move. Let me just throw this out there. I think we're all Tua Tonvaloa until the day we die. But say a team jumps up ahead of the Dolphins, they take Tua, you're sitting there at five. The Dolphins need a quarterback. Well, what are you guys doing? At yeah. what point? Yeah, that's what I, that's what I want to know because this is a very realistic scenario. Yeah. You, I think the best part of this is that Matt Patricia and Brian Flores already have a uh, relationship together. I think that, again, we talked about it time and time again. If any team wants to trade up, that team that they're trading up with is going to call the Miami Dolphins to see if they can match that. So if the Dolphins want Tua and that's their guy this entire time, why wouldn't they match it? Why wouldn't they throw in a second? I keep saying the 26th overall pick. If that's what it takes, as painful as that is, you know, you set yourself up in this situation to get the quarterback and until that injury, Tua Tagovailoa was that guy. Yeah. But let's say Tua Tagovailoa is off the board. What are you guys doing? Drinking a lot. <laughs> I, I don't know because <laughs> I'm not sold on Herbert. I think he can do well in this offense. But remember, Brian Flores said he wants his quarterback to have the it factor. I don't see that in Justin Herbert. I if if Tua is taken before the Dolphins, then you're getting a elite player dropping to the Dolphins, right? Because you look at Joe Burrow 1, Chase Young 2, you would look at either Tua at 3 or 4, which then leaves Isaiah Simmons or Jeff Okuda on the board. And although they signed Byron Jones, and although they have Xavier Howard, I would still draft Okuda at 5. Okuda? Yeah, Okuda. Jeff Okuda at 5. Or an Isaiah Simmons, which I really, really love and would actually prefer Simmons over Jeff, right? And then make my move. So if Herbert goes, I mean, honestly, if, if two is taken before the Dolphins, it's the Chargers jumping up. So Herbert's going to drop a little bit. When you look at the NFL draft order and you kind of look at the teams that may jump up to, to get a guy like Tua or Herbert, you start seeing that the possibilities aren't really there. Carolina just signed Teddy Bridgewater. They're not going to jump up anyone. I don't think they're going to take a quarterback um, there. The Cardinals have Kyler Murray. The Jaguars, maybe, maybe. But I think they want to give Minshew a shot. The Browns know the Jets know. you got to worry about the Raiders, right? So you start seeing the teams drop a little bit. But I heard a rumor floated a few weeks back, and that was that the Dolphins take a skill player or an offensive tackle at five and then trade up with the Cardinals at eight and give up 18 and 26 to get there. And then that's where they get their quarterback. You get in front of the Jaguars. You get in front of the Raiders. You take your Jordan Love right there. That's what I would do. I would pass on Herbert at five. Let him drop to the Chargers, or again, the Chargers would be trading up for Tua or maybe someone else. But you let Herbert fall, and then you trade up 
to where you need to trade up to get your guy. Uh, you take an Isaiah Simmons there, or you take a Jeffrey Okuda there, and you bolster. That's what I would do. Now, Matt, let me ask you this. With the Dolphins, their current situation they have here, um, obviously they need a running back. When you draft someone like Tua, do you feel that you think of Tua, and I'm just going to say Devontae Parker because I think there is still huge questions surrounding someone like Preston Williams. Now, I'm not trying to doubt him. I'm not trying to put anything against him. But when you're a rookie and you have a strong season, you get hurt, and all of a sudden there's a huge cloud of doubt. The average NFL career is about three years. So I'm not trying to say that Preston Williams is going to be a, a bust or anything like that because that is couldn't be farther from the truth. But with the Dolphins situation right now, when you look at someone like Devontae Parker and you hear that, hey, certain quarterbacks make certain wide receivers, and on the other end, just as much, certain wide receivers make certain quarterbacks, are you comfortable with the Dolphins' receiving core with someone like Tua currently? Am I comfortable with their current group? I, I think so. I think they have some talent there. But at the same time, this receiver class is very, very deep. If a Ruggs or a Lamb or a Judy falls to you at 18 and you still have that pick or a 26, I think you absolutely have to consider making that move because these guys are really, really good, right? Or a Denzel Mims even from Baylor. And then you go into the second round and there's still some good options there. I mean, yes, you have Parker, you have... Uh, Preston Williams, but you look at Albert Wilson, you could tell he lost a step last year. You could tell he was a bit hesitant in, in running his roots and all that. And, and injuries happen. We saw it with Preston. So I think you need to build your depth on the roster and take BPA. And if that's a receiver, I don't think you hesitate to make that move. I think every unit on this team can be upgraded in some sort of fashion, in some sort of way. And for the Dolphins to take need over BPA in this draft, I think would not be smart on their part. Now, Josh, hearing all this, and, you know, it, it's weird for me to say hearing all this because you're someone who who knows more than the average bear trying to find a picnic basket. Um, I could just say that. You're I all mean, over the – you're doing great tonight. <laughs> more plugged in than an outlet. Now you're calling me a boo-boo or a yogi. This is great. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just a kind of a strange situation because we hear all these issues coming out. And for me, someone who – isn't, you know, plugged in who, you know, I wish I could spend more time talking to fans because I feel like you kind of get more of a wave um, than someone who wouldn't. And I think that goes without saying. But when you hear all this Herbert, you know, smoke coming out now, when you even hear this Jordan Love, you know, smoke coming out now, you think about what Matt said, and I was thinking about it too, is nobody knows what a general manager is thinking currently outside of the general manager. Anything that anybody else knows about this specific person, the general manager did that for a reason. Whether it's in pure trust of, hey, this is how I'm feeling, and this is what I want you to know. But when you're making millions of, millions of dollars, you don't care what other people are thinking. You're focused on getting the right guy. You're focused on doing everything you can. So, you know, you look at the situation at five, and I need to reiterate this in the sense of, 18 and 26 are incredibly important picks. And, you know, we're sitting here, and, and I've enjoyed this entire conversation, but the fact we haven't talked about either of those picks is a huge blunder on our part. Because I think they are, you know, relatively, of course, getting a quarterback is so important. But those two picks are important, too. But 
it's hard not to feel that Tua is going to be the guy, and I think he might be there at five. I think with every opportunity or every situation, excuse me, that's happening right now, there aren't going to be a lot of trades in this draft. I'm starting to get that feeling there aren't going to be any trades in the draft. But instead of my long-winded way of asking this, Josh, how are you feeling right now? How am I feeling right now? I, I mean, I'm, I'm on edge, man. We're 10 days away. This will probably release tomorrow. We're nine days away, and I, we don't know what the quarterback situation is. We know the Dolphins have three first-round picks, like you mentioned. I think the biggest thing, and this is one thing I just want to throw out there, is this quote that came from Peter King. It's a quote that you know comes from the Bill Parcells coaching tree. I believe Jim Nagy, the guy that's in charge of the Senior Bowl, also when I, when I worked in New England, it's the most important part of ability is availability, and I think mm-hmm. that's kind of something that we got to – think about when we're talking about this quarterback situation I think you're right if Tua I think we're all right you know if Tua falls to five that's the play and then you still have two first round picks but after that's where it gets a little bit hazy because I I just don't know I think the Dolphins need to get an offensive tackle I think that's probably going into this draft besides safety that's probably their biggest need and I think once you see that drop off from those top four tackles it's immense so I think if you can come out of that first round and you have to give up one of those first round picks 26 to move up with 18 and, you know, jump up there and get a Jedrick Wills or a Tristan Wirfs or an, an Andrew Thomas, whoever it is, you got to make that move because I think you're not going to have success with whatever quarterback you pick if you go out there and throw out this offensive line. So for me, the Dolphins have three first round picks. As far as I know, as far as I'm sure you guys remember, we have never had three first round picks. We've never had two first round picks next year. We've never had two second round picks next year. The Dolphins have a war chest of draft picks. They have everything they could possibly ask for heading into this draft. 14 draft picks there at the top of the totem pole. They have the ability to pick and choose. If they see a player that they like, they can go up and get him because they have the ammunition to do so. It comes down to need. I think quarterback, you have to get a quarterback. I think you have to take him at five. If not, Kanata, he said it a couple weeks ago. What if the Dolphins take Isaiah Simmons? This was his perfect scenario. Isaiah Simmons and then Tuatone Vailoa. That would be an absolute home run. And at the time, uh-huh. it looked like it, it looked crazy. You know, you're sitting here thinking about it. Kanata's absolutely out of his mind. You know, he drank one too many Bud Light Switzers or whatever the hell they are. <laughs> you know, he, he's just absolutely lost his <laughs> lost his mind. Stoned out of his mind like uh, Laramie Tunsil on draft day, and you look at it now, and it's it's a real possibility. What if the Dolphins take a tackle at five and trade back up to a seven or eight if the Chargers want Herbert like it's been reported? They take him at six. You know, two has fallen to seven or eight, and the Dolphins have the ammunition to move up and get him. It might cost more than 26 and, you know, a later pick, but you then get an elite left tackle or right tackle, wherever you want to play him, and then you get your quarterback. And I think that would be the ideal scenario because then you're heading into day two with two – Three picks. They have six picks in the top 70. So you need a running back and you need a safety after that. That's the perfect draft, in my opinion. I, I, it's, it's just crazy because no one knows what's happening. I can't sit here and fathom it, but 18, 26, 5, whatever it is, the Dolphins need a quarterback, they need a safety, they need an offensive tackle, and then you just build a roster from there out because, uh, and a running back. I'm sorry, because Jordan Howard, good, 25 years old, but there's some tread on those tires, and he is not that elite running back like a Christian McCaffrey. We just saw sign a massive deal. So the Dolphins have the ammunition. We know they have interest in some of these guys. They just need to go out there and, and let this plan develop. If Tua Tonvaloa is their pick, which I hope it is, things will be great. If they settle for Jordan Love, I'm okay with that. If they take an elite talent there at five and then trade up for Jordan Love. Justin Herbert, a guy that I truly like. I sit here and say I like him, but 
I believe that Jordan Love has the higher ceiling. I, I believe Tua Tonvaloa is in a whole different class than those guys. But if I was sitting there at five and I had to pick a quarterback, I don't know who I'd pick because I, I, I just don't know who I'd pick. I, ask me ten days from now which quarterback I'd pick out of those two. I think <laughs> Justin Herbert. I think Justin Cheater. Herbert right now. I think Justin Herbert right now is you know the safer pick and his ceiling's not quite as high as Jordan Love's, but his floor's not as low. But I think Jordan Love, in the, with the right development, with the right coaching, has the ability to be elite. And like Kanata said earlier, he's not a guy that's been talked about aside from the Dolphins rushing him into team facilities like J.K. Dobbins right before NFL shut down that. So the Dolphins have done a great job, and, and that's where I'm going to leave it. I, I don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah, it's kind of weird, though, because you have to think to yourselves, if you're rushing someone in, to see a, you know, have a conversation with them. There are massive doubts about taking them fifth overall. And I think that is a real big key here. And Josh, I don't know how much editing you want to do for the show, but, but like we could, that's a whole other conversation in itself that bringing someone in for conversation right before, you know, everything goes into disaster mode you have to have massive doubts. Like, if you have any thought of taking someone at five overall, you're not bringing them in. You know, you're thinking to yourself, all right, if players X and Y are available at five, I'm happy. I can have my choice of the litter. But if X and Y are both gone and I'm, you know, I have to go with Z, all of a sudden I have to think to myself, is this the guy I really want? Is this the guy we really want to bring in that's who you bring in for a conversation so again is that really a situation where the dolphins are bringing in a jordan love a jk dobbins because they're comfortable with these guys because they're excited about these guys or because they are so concerned that hey maybe they aren't the right guys for the situation they're looking for i think you got to look at Tuatana Valoa, he was a guy that they wanted to bring in before the facility shut down. I mean, if this is a guy that we're sitting here saying should be that pick at five, they they view Jordan Love. I mean, maybe they they saw that Tua couldn't make it, and they say, you know what, Jordan Love's in town. Let's quick rush him in. Let's get that interview with him. But I have to believe, and I mean, I could be completely wrong, but take take a step back and think about yourself going into a job interview. Do you think you can make a bigger impression in person, seeing the facilities, talking to those coaches, you know, talking to the front office? Or doing it over Zoom when you're sitting there buffering like the glitch, like freaking Preston <laughs> Williams. You're, you know, you're, you're all over the place and you're, you're fading in and out and you can't quite give an accurate representation of yourself. To me, I think if Jordan Love was in town, J.K. Dobbins was in town, maybe they were working out locally. I don't truly know, but they might have been in town because they were getting ready to meet with the Dolphins. And if they were that high up on the priority list, you know, maybe Tua was out West Coast doing whatever he's doing. But the fact that they tried to rush Tua in there and then they had to say, you know what, we're going to bring Jordan Love in. And J.K. Dobbins, maybe they were trying to bring all three of them in. But I think the fact that Dan Marino gushed about Jordan Love at the com, uh, at the Senior Bowl and the fact that Jordan Love is this raw talent that we keep hearing is a Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's crazy to even compare anybody to Patrick Mahomes because when all is said and done, I think Patrick Mahomes will be one of, if not the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. But you see the greatness in Jordan Love's game. You saw it in 2018. They changed everything on offense. It's had a huge hit. You know, 20 touchdowns, I think it was 17 interceptions. We all know how bad he was last year. But it's all about potential. And when you look at Jordan Love, you see the potential over maybe a Justin Herbert who just kind of has you know, sunken into his ways. And again, I like Justin Herbert. I'll root, we'll all root for Justin Herbert if he's the guy. But he hasn't really progressed in these years 
Sure, Jordan Love took a step back, but he has that potential to be great. And I think the Dolphins may have seen that. I think that, again, if they truly like this guy, they only had so many interviews they could make before the league facility closed. I don't know how the location played in, played a factor, but the fact that they brought Jordan Love in there shows me that they have at least some interest in that. And again, the fact that he has not been mentioned at all. Justin Herbert, Burrow, Tua, they've all been mentioned. Jordan Love at five, that's a little crazy to me. But if Jordan Love's your target, you take an elite player like Kanata said, Isaiah Simmons, a Micah Becton, uh, Tristan Wirfs, a Jedrick Wills, whoever it is, and then trade up to get Jordan Love, that's a home run draft to me. And I'm, I'm having trouble in my head thinking, do you trade up for Tua Tagovailoa or do you sit pat and take an elite player at five and then trade up for Jordan Love? I mean, that's something that's going through my head right now. As much as I like Tua Tagovailoa, it'd be hard for me to take that risk on a guy that's injured, to take that risk and to trade up and use ammunition or to stay pat, take an elite talent like uh, like Isaiah Simmons or another one of these guys and then trade up and get that quarterback who you might view equally as comparable to a Tutankhamun. It's again, I, I have no idea. I'm I'm sitting here it, I just can't wait for this to be over, and then we can just sit here and bitch and argue about if they made the right moves because this is ridiculous, and I think quarantine's getting to the best of us. <laughs> it's and the worst of us. It's crazy. But with that, gentlemen, I mean, God, I can't even, I can't even tell you how long we've been talking because this is really, I mean, one of those situations, and I'm glad I said at the beginning of the show, when you go to the bar and, and you have the idea of having a couple beers with a couple friends, and all of a sudden you look down at the clock like, oh, you know, I have work tomorrow. I have to do, you know, X, Y, and Z, and all of a sudden, you know, I, I out later than I thought, I mean, I feel like this was a great opportunity just for us to, you know, vent concerns, vent thoughts, and I think that was, at least for me, the big goal is was to pull out of both of you are those concerns, other are those thoughts of what situation the Dolphins might find themselves in because we can sit here and, you know, bicker about who's better, Herbert or Tua, who's better when healthy, who's better, you know, ignore injuries, whatever it may be, but I think these are really the situations the Dolphins are going to find themselves into, and as fans, we're going to find ourselves into for at least 10 minutes for, you know, a week from now. But I think that is really all I have for both of you guys because, I mean, we kind of hit it out of the park, and I'm going to kind of, you know, gush over ourselves because I don't think anybody's going to be sitting here listening to this wondering, yeah, but what about this and this? Because I think we are kind of attacking this at all angles of the different concerns, the different opportunities the Dolphins may have. And that's a credit to you guys for really killing this, except for Matt, because Matt's Matt. (laughs) (laughs) All good. Like I said, there's just so much going on right now with the smoke Mm -hmm. that you don't know what to believe at this point, but you have to kind of like just take a step back and know what you know. And right, realize exactly. that the Dolphins are so good at not leaking anything with this regime. And then you add the coronavirus lockdown on top of that, and it's, like, impossible for leaks to get out. Then you connect the dots of Lombardi and Salguero and all those guys and see who their connections are within the organization. That kind of gives you some hints. It's just a big puzzle. But you really, truly never know until the Dolphins make that selection in the NFL draft, which we'll find out in just, you know, nine, ten days. It's going to be really fun to watch. And if, if the Dolphins do pass on two at five and take Herbert, Dolphins Twitter is going to burn to the ground. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> I love that because I, th- I think Josh kind of uh, reiterated the same thing here where, where if the Dolphins Twitter is actually burnt to the ground and when we think about what the Dolphins have done in the offseason in the past, Dolphins Twitter burning the offseason might be a good sign of the future if yeah. you really, really boil it down to it. Yep, it, it's going to be 
fun to watch. I'm getting pissed off just thinking about the Dolphins passing on Tua. If that happens, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, I just don't oh, know I what I'm going to do. I mean, I like these other guys, but I, I really don't know if I'm going to be able to handle it. And I think I agree where, where Tua is, is the guy. He's been the guy for two years at this point. I mean, okay, maybe not two years, maybe a, maybe a full calendar year, maybe a little more than that. But but I agree how to if, – if they walk up to the podium and if Tua's on the board and Justin Herbert's called, I think something's going to be thrown, and, and not in a good way. Ten days, nine days when this podcast drops, nine days before we find out. But, I mean, we'll, we'll talk then about who we think is going to be a target at five because we'll, we'll save that and keep everyone waiting, but – I need I need a cigarette after this podcast. <laughs> but but for that, I mean, I have this pretty much on lockdown. Matt, I'm going to need your help here because um, you're like, a, I, I don't know, a 12-year-old who just discovered AIM. I, if you want to yell at me for anything I said in this podcast, and it's very possible that might be the case, I am at jmetal94 on Twitter. Houts is simple, <laughs> at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. Same thing on Reddit. If you can't find him on Twitter, just scroll through your timeline. Odds are he'll be retweeted on it. Matt, what's your app? Because I have no idea. I'm sorry. At Kanata PFN. C-A-N-N-A-T-A PFN. And most importantly, what is more important than, you know, having both of you guys sitting here talking dolphins? Because, honestly, if you put the three of us in the same bar, I don't think it'd ever close. Um, is the listeners, because I know this is an opportunity for everybody to kind of branch out and do their own things. You don't have these commute to works where you're stuck. All right, I guess I'm going to listen to a podcast. Thank you so much for including us in your days, included in your stressful, you know, r- rugged, rigged, excuse me, whatever you want to call it, life. Thank you for adding the Finsider Radio to that daily schedule because it means so much to us. And I hope we gave you a little break from whatever's happening in the real world. Uh, yeah, I think that's all I have. And, and thank you both for joining me. This was a blast. Yeah, it was fun. It's good stuff, man. Good stuff. Nine more days, and then we can all just be sad and miserable and depressed. <laughs> Go Dolphins. Yeah. Heads up. <laughs> That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami